Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Black Hawks Live. Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun getting along and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. A quick turnaround for Blackhawks Live over the past week. Last time we talked, we were chatting about an overtime loss to the Anaheim Ducks. The Hawks answered that back with an overtime win against the Arizona Coyotes. And then a game that was just more of the same against the Winnipeg Jets. That's a team that I know the Blackhawks are thrilled to be done with. They got swept by Winnipeg this season series and outscored 18-4. to However... I don't think that the 4-1 loss on Saturday is a good telling of how that game went. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. We come to you every week. We give you pizza, and we talk Blackhawks hockey. Jack Heinrich is our producer. Kevin Wells is standing by in news. And the Blackhawks, with another day off, they're going to be taking on the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. This is the midst of another Canadian road trip for the Blackhawks. Again, a loss to Winnipeg on Saturday. They visit Montreal tomorrow, then Toronto the following night, and then wrap things up against Ottawa on Friday, getting their first look at Alex Dabrinkit in a Senator's sweater, uh, first-hand occurrence as uh, he was traded over to Ottawa this past year. But the trade that sent Alex Dabrinkit over to Ottawa gave the Blackhawks the number 7 pick in the first round of the past draft. Because remember, they originally didn't have any first-round picks, and then after making some moves, they ended up picking up three first-round picks. And we're going to be talking about a few of the players acquired in that first round. And one of them is Kevin Korczynski. There was a fantastic article put out on The Athletic ranking the top 50 prospects in Scott Wheeler's mind. Scott Wheeler's a uh, a writer for The Athletic, national reporter for the NHL draft, the prospects uh, for the entire Athletic, and he mentions a couple of Blackhawks prospects, and most of them have moved up in the rankings in Scott Wheeler's eyes. And the top one being Kevin Korczynski, and we've talked a lot about Kevin Korczynski this entire season. He was one of the few guys that actually got some time at prospects camp and even got some time at the NHL level during the preseason. And I think he surprised the most people. I think he impressed the most people. There was a whole bunch riding in on him coming into the Blackhawks organization. But in terms of the eye test, I think he won that most. I'm no hockey expert in terms of evaluating players. I'm hardly a hockey expert at all. But in terms of the eye test with Kevin Korczynski, there's just things that he does that makes you feel confident in his confidence of the game. I'm going to go ahead and read just a little bit, a snippet of Scott Wheeler's assessment of Kevin Korczynski, and I know I learned this in college, that just reading things on the radio isn't the best radio, but I don't want anything to slip through the cracks. 
Long, increasingly smooth skating, point-producing defensemen aren't easy to come by, says Scott Wheeler. And Korchinski has really settled into an, into his ambitious, free-flowing game with steep development curve over the last two seasons. Korchinski handles the puck smoothly on his hip. His impressive footwork and maneuverability help him adjust to, away, and around pressure, which have both come a long way. And he's a natural playmaker who can make something happen and facilitate out of all his movement and carries. Later on in the article, Scott Wheeler talks about his stick and ability to use his feet to defend the rush and disrupt play. His growth has worked in his favor. They were talking about his size. He's he's definitely a tall, lanky guy, but he's so young, he's still got so much time to build and bulk up. But he goes on with another quote saying, he can take over a game with his ability to transport the puck and roam. He just picked up his seventh goal of the season playing for uh, the Seattle team, the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League. Let's hear the latest hockey goal by Kevin Korchinski. Drew back now to the top. Korchinski shoots. He scores! Kevin Korchinski, a power play goal with 8.02 to go in period two. And he picks up his seventh goal of the season as he waited matters out. And the Thunderbirds strike first up one nothing. His seventh goal of the season in 36 games, but that was his 49th point. He's got 42 assists this season in 36 games. And even though we've talked so much about how the game of hockey, especially on the defensive side of things, seems to be evolving back to the way it was, where it's gritty, hardworking defensemen are more valuable than they have been as of late, there's there's obviously still a ton of prowess for guys that can light up the score sheet on the defensive side, right? Like Adam Fox, like Josh Norrissey, who or Josh Morrissey, who's uh, making a claim for the Norris Trophy, hence the fake nickname of Josh Norrissey. But this Kevin Korchinski guy just seems to be a guy that can definitely do both. And the one instance that really proved that to me during prospect camp was just a simple play where he's defending one of the Minnesota Wilds prospects, one of the forwards coming down in the near wall, and he just goes after the player and kind of breaks up the play with the puck in front of the forward. And the puck just slowly goes behind the forward. And Korchinski just so seamlessly lifts his stick up, but not not makes not making contact with the player, goes behind his his hand stick ability is just you don't have to teach it, right? It, it's just an ability to totally understand where the puck is and what he's trying to do with the puck. And I think that's Again, you don't have to teach that. He's coming in with that type of ability. I think that's huge for a young defensive core where this Blackhawks team is definitely reshaping the way that they're developing and drafting their defensive players. Ian Mitchell's kind of the last of what Scott Bowman brought of defensive players that are highly praised for their offensive abilities. And Ian Mitchell is showing signs of that. He is showing that he can do that at, at the NHL level, but but where does he fit in the Blackhawks a few years from now? I, I'm not putting any limits on him whatsoever, but he's a guy, and we talked with Kevin Dean about this last week, he's a guy that you need to work towards his attributes. He's a guy that has got a lot of speed, he does a great job of keeping the puck in the defensive zone, or rather in the offensive zone, and a guy that I would love to see on the power play a little bit more, just to see how he can utilize his puck handling skills and and help the team offensively in a situation like that 
But that is going to take some time. What I am liking what I'm seeing is how consistent playing time Ian Mitchell has been getting. And I know that's a little counterintuitive from what I was saying earlier on in the year when he and Isaac Phillips were kind of swapping so much. But I think this is a great time for Ian Mitchell to figure out and just develop to the type of defenseman that he can be at the NHL level if he's getting this consistent playing time. And a guy like Kevin Korchinski is a sight of what this Blackhawks defensive side of things can look like in the future. People continue to rave about him, and obviously he's putting up big points in the Western Hockey League, again, 49 points in 36 games. I want to talk about Lucas Reichel, I want to talk about Frank Nazar, and I want to talk about Gavin Hayes a little bit when we come back. This is Blackhawks Live. We're giving away pizzas too, by the way, thanks to our friends from Brew Pub and lots and lots of pizzas. All that and more coming up next. Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. Christian Krieger, Krieger turned it over. Off to Nazar, a three-on-one for Michigan. Nazar shoots and scores. First goal of the year for Nazar. First goal of his career. First goal of his career indeed in just his second NCAA game. Great to see Frank Nazar back out on the ice after missing the majority of the season Due to a hip surgery. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. This segment is sponsored by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet you get. Jack, do you win any money on the Super Bowl? Yeah, I had a good day. You had a good day? How I was, good? I was live betting the Chiefs. I believe I bet them three, four times throughout the game. So I I like that uh, holding call at the end. So I was a fan <laughs> of it. <laughs> I, I'm sure you were. What do you mean betting on the Chiefs, live betting three to four times? What, did the... The spread just keep getting larger, and you I just... was betting the money line. Okay, so after that first Eagles touchdown, I did it halftime. Mahomes got hurt, kept going. It was I got lucky. I'm normally not that good. <laughs> uh, I I got lucky too. I was I was over three on my bets, and then I hit the final square at my nice work pool over at the Kane County Cougars. So, nice, there you go. Uh, went over three. I took the Eagles just straight up because it was a point and a half. So I figured nobody knows mm-hmm. who's going to win this game, but because that I. Put a little bet on a tie game after half, a tie game after halftime, and a tie game after the fourth quarter. That was that was like plus seven thousand, yeah. or something. Didn't get that, and then uh, purple Gatorade really uh, messed me up mm. too. I, I was I was rooting for red. Just figured would have made sense. You would think. <laughs> you would think. Well, and the best thing was during. The celebration, they they pan away and then they go to Andy Reid and he's already doused. And I'm like, what color was it? Everybody was looking for it on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's the one. I I know everyone's, I mean, I heard people talking today. Oh, the Super Bowl's rigged. That's the one thing you can totally rig. Oh, yeah. But I guess each team could have a different color, so that could play a role. But no, then you could still throw little bets on on each side. What, whatever. I guess <laughs> we would need uh, an inside in the in the clubhouse situation or the the locker room situation f- for the NFL to to hit big on something like that. Uh, let's let's talk about Frank Nazar, and that was the clip you just heard as Michigan beat Michigan State the other night on ESPN. Frank Nazar, who was, again, another piece that the Blackhawks picked up in this past first round of the NHL draft, another guy that was turning heads, that was impressing people, just with his explosive ability. Again, we're uh, going off of the assessment of Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, who ranked his top 50 prospects in the NHL. And remember... The Blackhawks were not 
being credited for a good farm system just last season. And now there's a handful of players on this ranking system. I think in another ranking system with the Athletic, they were uh, picked the fifth best farm system in the NHL. I mean, that that is huge for a team that is in their first year of a rebuild. But Scott Wheeler says on Frank Nazar that he might have been ranked even higher if he didn't miss the majority of this season. Few prospects dash around the ice and make plays like Nazar does. He's a threatening player from the hash marks because of his wrister, which he pops off of his stick with sneaky power and precision, thanks in large part to the balance he displays through his weight shift. He's not a super strong kid, though he's a tremendous athlete. He's got quick hands, which helps him deftly adjust in traffic to get shots off under pressure. He flashes creativity throughout the game. He plays puck into space extremely well, regularly executing through tight gaps and coverage. He's just a hungry, driven player who consistently targets the middle lane with his greatest asset, his skating. He even goes on a little bit further and says one of the fastest prospects in the sport. Again, this is Scott Wheeler's assessment of prospects in the NHL from The Athletic. That's what stuck out to me the most, one of the fastest prospects in the sport, because that definitely relates to the philosophy of what types of players Kyle Davidson is looking for. We were talking last show about two guys, Sam Lafferty and Jason Dickinson, somewhat similar players. They had a lot of chemistry on the same line. They're fast, hardworking players that play both ends of the ice quite well, and now Sam Lafferty is looking to be a a pretty popular target on the trade market. Jason Dickinson flourishing on that top line with Patrick Kane and Tyler Johnson, but he's been a chameleon. He's been playing with multiple different guys. This is the type of hockey that Kyle Davidson wants to put together and wants to grow through a couple of years in this rebuild. And to me, it's a good philosophy because it seems more sustainable than other ways of playing in the past, or just focusing so much on one attribute. You know, the Blackhawks winning those three Stanley Cups through the 2010s was because they had so much depth, and they they were so good in so many different avenues, especially offensively. They had the huge offensive playmakers, and of course, that's, that's one of the biggest motivating factors for the Hawks going into this rebuild right now because of the upcoming draft with Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. But you still need a whole team to win the Stanley Cup. So if the majority of the roster is built around guys that can do multiple things, that can work hard on offense and on defense, and just bring in the solid skill set and a similar skill set to where they can complement each other's games, I just I like that philosophy. I think that's that's a good way to go about it. It is a copycat league. Boston Bruins, the St. Louis Blues, I know that was a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, but but the Vegas Golden Knights, obviously Boston is off to such a good start this year. They're all strong, big teams, right? Tampa Bay, too. Colorado. Strong, big teams. They, they hold the defensive side of things down quite well. Yes, you're going to need those playmakers. Yes, you're going to need those offensive scorers. But... The synopsis of the teams 
put them in a better position for long, sustained success. And I think that's what Kyle Davidson's going for. I want to talk a little bit more about Lucas Reichel because it's another player that Scott Wheeler has listed on there. He said he's a fan of Lucas Reichel's game, both at the AHL and NHL level. Calls him a delicate handler inside the offensive zone, handling the puck with finesse and using smooth, effortless skating stride. The one thing I'll say about Lucas Reichel, and this isn't a knock on him at all because I I do think he's still the top prospect in the Hawks organization as of right now. But I saw a handful of his games down in Rockford. Even though he was one of the better players in each and every game in Rockford, it wasn't always that just evident that he was one of the better players. He definitely was, but he wasn't blowing people away with, with what he was doing on the ice. He was when he came up to the NHL level for those three quick games um, against... Arizona and Calgary when he had his first goal and I do think a huge reason of that is just because of the players he was with at the NHL level he's going to be a guy that flourishes so much more at the NHL than he will with in the AHL because it is a very different game and I think that was totally evident when he came up to the NHL once again picked up his first goal was almost setting a Max Domi in a few situations and hopefully that will just shine even more when he comes back up to the NHL level once again. Ben Pope is going to be our guest after the news. Kevin Wells has it from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. You're listening to the Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Blackhawks Live rolls on here on 720 WGN. Hawks are in the midst of a Canadian road trip, falling to the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. They take on the Canadians tomorrow in Montreal, and then Toronto on Wednesday, Ottawa on Friday. Ben Pope is also in Canada. He writes for the Chicago Sun-Times and the Blackhawks beat. Ben, how's it going, bud? How are you? I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here in Montreal, one of my favorite cities to to visit. So, um, yeah, it's going well. How are you? I'm doing good. So, wait, is is Winnipeg not one of your favorite <laughs> cities to visit? Because I know you weren't there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Winnipeg would rate highly. Um, <laughs> kind of hard to get to, and kind of nothing to do. And um, yeah, I think Montreal is probably a little bit higher in the rankings. So there was practice today that you were at, and it sounds like Jonathan Taves is uh, out for another two games at least, huh? Yes, correct. Um, uh, he's still back in Chicago. Luke Richardson said he's still working out in the gym, and the plan is for him to get on the ice tomorrow in Chicago, and then potentially he could join the team Friday, but I feel like it's more likely than not that he will just meet up with them once they get back on Saturday. Um, it's just kind of a waiting pattern like it's been the past week or so with him. and I uh, would love to get more clarity, but so far it's been kind of hard to come by. How do you think this affects the possibility of, of him being moved, Ben? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I, I'm sure even before the past few weeks, other teams interested in potentially acquiring him would have wanted to kind of talk to him about his health situation. I, I talked to him myself back in mid-January in Philly, and um, he said even then that, um, or he didn't really say, but he kind of implied by not saying anything else that he wasn't feeling great. He was um, not 100% even then. And then, um, so I'm sure this would have been something the teams would have wanted to do their homework on um, anyway. But, but now with him missing a few weeks, it certainly raised some eyebrows and probably – um, has teams a little bit more concerned about it. But I think if, if he does end up returning uh, this weekend or next week and 
looks pretty much the same as he did before, and we maybe get some clarity that this isn't going to be a long-term issue and it was just a bad case of the flu or whatever it may be, then um, I could see it not really end up affecting his trade value. But obviously you can also imagine a scenario where if he just keeps missing game after game, then potentially it could. So um, I think it's really just going to depend on what happens in the next few weeks. There's still a little bit of time before we really get down to the nitty-gritty of those negotiations. Well, and it's also, I mean, it's it, it's... It's so interesting because the Kane and Taves situations are, are so similar, yet they're they're so different, right? And I think Patrick Kane did something that we don't often get, and it was just his full transparency about talking about another trade with Vladimir Tarasenko going from St. Louis to New York. And, you know, he was he was pretty open and honest that day at the United Center after morning skate. Um, I, I, it just it, it comes down to whether or not Kane or Taves want to go, and I, I don't know uh, Jonathan Taves not playing over the last four or five games now, how much that can play into his decision-making of wanting to leave or not, because I, I don't know, I, I just feel like he they clearly have all the control they want in this situation, and with Taves not being able to play, it, it seems like he has less control of the situation, and then maybe less likely to want to move, or be moved, I should say. I, I don't know if that's way too much speculation to look down the line, but you know everyone's looking for some kind of breadcrumbs with this situation, and it's just really tough because of, of all the intangibles that are now going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I think we've all been kind of scrounging for those breadcrumbs, as you put it, for months now. I mean, really even going back to last summer, um, trying to figure out what they're were thinking and what they're leaning, and um, it does seem like from Kane's comments that he's certainly at least considering the possibility of being traded and what it would be like on another team and what kind of teams might appeal to him. He's, uh, he's kind of made that clear at this point. Now, that doesn't mean that he's definitely going to eventually choose to go that route. Um, he's said himself that he still hasn't completely decided yet and um, probably could take another week or 10 days for that. But um, with Taze, he's given even less information than Kane has. He really... Um, hasn't given any indication of leaning in any direction. Um, and the fact that he's not with the team right now and um, not therefore we're not talking to him and uh, the coaches aren't really talking to him, it's, it's even harder to figure out because uh, there's, there's really nothing to go on at this point. So, yeah, it's certainly possible that this does affect his mindset. If, if maybe if he misses a few weeks here, if he wants to kind of make up for that by – by staying with the team if he was otherwise leaning towards leaving just to get kind of another month or two in Chicago at least. Um, but, yeah, who knows? Like, it's all just speculation really at this point. And I, I hate to speculate even more, and this will be the last question about Taves and Kane, Ben, but because Patrick was, was so open and honest about the Tarasenko move and clearly expressed that New York was a destination he was looking at but then also clarified that he and his agent, Pat Brisson, have not given Kyle Davidson the word, okay, we're ready to start looking at teams. Would you, if you had to bet, would you say that Patrick Kane is more likely or less likely to want to be traded after the New York trade? That's also a tough question. Right. Um, I know, I know. Yeah, I think, for, I think probably from his standpoint, you would have to say less considering 
The Rangers, I think for years, have been kind of speculated to be one of his preferred spots, and it turns out that indeed they were. So if that was the team that he wanted most to go to or one of the two or three teams he wanted most to go to, and now that they're off the table, um, I feel like the it, it either won't affect it or it would make him less likely to leave. I don't see how it would make him more likely to leave. But I think from an external standpoint, considering his comments about that Tarasenko to the Rangers trade, where really the first time he's pretty clearly indicated he's thinking about a trade, the sort of external handicapping of it now maybe means that he's more likely than we previously thought. So it kind of depends on what perspective you're looking at this from. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that whole situation is um, also pretty complicated, I would have to say. No, for sure, because <laughs> when I was tweeting out all the quotes about what Kane was saying after the Tarasenko move, everyone's kind of jumped to, jumping to conclusions one way or the other. And really, it to me, it's like there's there's no more clarity. It's just it's more uncertainty of which way he would want to go because you can make the argument, okay, he's realizing that teams are moving now because uh, they want to get ahead of it and, and they want to make the move and and have a move be made, acquired what they need to acquire. But also, if his top destination was New York and that's now off the table now, maybe he's leaning towards the other way. It just you can go back and forth and you can go round and round with both of them. And uh, and I feel like we're going to have to for the next couple of weeks too. Um, want to talk with want to talk to you about a few of the prospects, and I guess we'll start with Lucas Reichel. Um, how has your assessment changed about him from last year to this year? Because in my eyes, the last stint he had with the Hawks was a lot more encouraging than everything else we had seen of of him before. Did you also get that sense, or do you have other thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think he's always been a top prospect, and I've always been pretty confident that he would turn out to be an impactful NHL player just based on the results he's had in Germany and in the AHL and even the flashes he'd shown in some of his previous call-ups. But to really see him put it together and be a top-line NHL player um, in the NHL and not just kind of projected to be that in the future – I mean, there's nothing more convincing than that, that, that he is going to turn out to be the kind of impact um, upper-end player that the Hawks are looking for him to be. We still don't know yet maybe if he's going to be a star or he's just going to be kind of a strong top-six uh, center or winger. But um, I think at this point, that's clearly kind of his floor. Uh, we, can, we see that even at this age, even at age 20, even with his lack of experience, he can, he can do that pretty capably. So... It's just a matter of how much beyond that he'll eventually develop into. But, um, yeah, definitely really encouraging to see that stretch from him earlier this year. And it um, seems like he's continued to be very productive in Rockford as he kind of has from the start. So um, really a lot, of, a lot of optimism and not much reason to be concerned about him. Kind of going back to the trade speculation, but with other guys. I, I know Sam Lafferty's name has been floated around. Jake McCabe's name has been floated around. Have you been hurting, hearing anything else or, or any other players or, or even just somebody who you might think would also look to be a, a good candidate to be moved before the deadline? I mean, uh, honestly, I feel like realistically half the team could theoretically move. I, they probably wouldn't trade 10 guys, but there are 10 guys that potentially could get traded. Um, I mean, Domi and Athanasiu obviously 
kind of from the start, the plan was to maybe put them at the deadline. And right. they've both been good enough that maybe they end up staying and maybe they get a, a short-term extension. But also they could definitely be traded. Um, uh, even beyond McCabe, Murphy is a kind of similar guy. He uh, has more longevity, so he's probably not as likely to go as McCabe. But I, I wouldn't say he's off the table. Um, Jack Johnson, if a, a team kind of wants him to provide some experience, I could see him traded for maybe just a late-round pick or something just to kind of thank him for being a good sport, basically, and um, providing his or spending potentially his last year in the NHL on this Blackhawks team. And, um, yeah, I mean, McCabe, as you mentioned, Sam Lafferty is obviously getting a ton of buzz right now. Um, There's really so many guys. I mean, it wouldn't even be shocking to see someone like Radish go. And, uh, again, most of these guys probably won't end up getting traded, but I I just nothing would really shock me at this point considering how open the Blackhawks have been about um, that their priority is just rebuilding for the future. And if they can get draft picks or prospects for current players, I think they'd be open to that in almost any scenario. So, um, yeah, a lot of different guys to watch for. McCabe I talked to today here in Montreal, and um, he he seemed pretty aware of the trade rumors and um, wasn't really trying to shy away from that, but um, he'd obviously like to stay in Chicago. He's from Wisconsin, went to Wisconsin for college. I believe his wife is from Chicago. He yeah. was living in Chicago even when he was playing for the Sabres. Um, so he really wanted to end up in Chicago, and I think he really wants to stay in Chicago, but as a 17 no-trade clause. Other than that, he doesn't really have control over the situation. So um, he, he said that it's just, it is what it is. It's part of the business. He understands, especially with the team, where they are in the standings, that, um, you know, it this is something that happens. And so he's just uh, like kind of every guy within this situation, just kind of taking it day by day. But um, it, it sounds like he, he's the guy that could potentially bring back some value of significance if the Blackhawks do move him. You said Montreal was one of your favorite spots. Why is that? Oh, it's just a, I mean, it's a beautiful city. Um, I'm kind of a winter guy. So there's several feet of snow and that makes it even more beautiful in my book. But um uh, the French aspect is certainly interesting, even though I have a hard time uh, ordering at restaurants occasionally. And um, Mount Royal, which is the namesake uh, of the city, um, is pretty beautiful. Hoping to to get up there a little bit tomorrow before the game. So um, being here for the draft last year was awesome in the summer, and, and every time I get to come back is always a good time. Well, in the stadium series right around the corner, too. I know that's from your hometown. How excited are you? to? I, I'm sure you're just going to watch it on TV, but still has to be pretty exciting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know it's going to mean a lot to, to people in Raleigh to, to finally get an outdoor game. I think the Hurricanes are one of the last teams to, to get to participate in one, and to have it at home is, is nice. Um, I, it's Saturday, so I've, I think I'll be back in Chicago by then, and the Hawks don't play, so... Fortunate for the timing that I will get to watch it on TV. Definitely already looking forward to that. I've, I've been to even football games in that stadium, NC State Stadium, before. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it how it looks for hockey. When did you get out to Canada? Were you able to watch the Super Bowl? I flew this morning. Uh, so I was back in Chicago for the Super Bowl, which was, uh, which was nice. So it was kind of part of why I didn't really want to go to Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I worked out this morning just a, a late night. Uh, well, a late night and an early morning, but uh, got here on time. Right. All right, Ben. Well, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you hopping on, and uh, we'll have you on sometime later on this uh, season, okay? Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
All right, thank you very much. That is Ben Pope with the Chicago Sun-Times. Blackhawks are in Montreal. They're taking on the Canadians tomorrow night. Uh, let's give away some pizzas. We got that last on our last segment of Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. We've got a few more minutes here on Blackhawks Live, and we're giving away pizzas, courtesy of Brew Pub, our Lots of Matza pizza coupons. Find Brew Pub Lots of Matza pizza in the frozen section of your local retailer. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, it's already good stuff. Uh, we've already got a caller. Um, I, I was going to give away a trivia question, and I think we'll do that. Boy, they are, yeah, a couple callers now. Uh, so the Hawks are taking on Montreal in Montreal tomorrow. Question is, and I didn't tell Jack Heinrich the answer yet, so uh, <laughs> we'll have to figure this out. Um, what happened the last time the Blackhawks were in Montreal last season? What happened? Actually, two things kind of happened, but what was the big one? What was what was the main one? Um, give you a hint. It involves a player that is not on the Blackhawks anymore. Last time the Blackhawks were in Montreal, what happened? 312-981-7200. You can call or you could text. Well, you could call to win the pizza. You can text if you just want to yell at me. Uh, Hawks... With a rough loss to Winnipeg on Saturday, again, I I mentioned earlier it was uh, a 4-1 loss, but that didn't really tell how the game went. Let me, Jack, do you know the answer? Are you good? Okay, hang on. Let me me tell Jack the answer really quick. Okay, that's that's how we do live uh, producing here (laughs) on the radio. That was pretty good between you two. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that three seconds of dead air didn't set off any alarms here at the station. You got chemistry. (laughs) We do, yeah, yeah. And uh, sign language helps out lately, too. So luckily uh, I was able to sign that. Kevin, do you know the answer to this question? I think I do, yeah. I won't say it. I'm I'm like... Probably 65-70% that I think I know it okay. off the top of my head. All right. Well, all our uh, callers dipped away because they apparently didn't know the answer. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was the only time the Blackhawks played Montreal in Montreal last season. And, uh, yeah, now Jack's got the answer. So, again, 312-981-7200. Win a free lots and lots of pizza coupon if you can call and tell us what happened the last time the Blackhawks were in Montreal. It was kind of hockey history. It was hockey history. I remember uh, Pat Foley and John Weineman both on the call saying hockey history when it had completed. And uh, it involves a goaltender that is no longer on the Blackhawks. Just giving away hints now. Um, Hawks game tomorrow night in Montreal is at 6 o'clock, so a 5.30 puck drop. That'll be the case for all three games this upcoming week. In Montreal on Tuesday, Toronto on Wednesday, and then Ottawa on Thursday uh, before a two-game homestand. By the way, if you didn't know, on Sunday... It is First Responders Night at the United Center, and the Chicago Police Department versus the Chicago Fire Department will play their hockey game at 1 o'clock at the UC on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday on the 19th. And I'm pretty sure I saw a promotion that if you have a ticket to the Hawks game, you can check out both games. So that should be pretty fun. I was actually able to uh, do some stuff with the Hawks last week, checking out the Chicago Police Department training facility and then the Chicago Fire Department training facility and... Went through a, a couple of things, and uh, it was intense, it was tough, it was kind of a very crazy scenario. Uh, they, they pretty much put you through the ringer. I climbed a few flights of stairs, and all this firemen get up. I didn't have to carry any hoses that day, luckily. But um, it's uh, it was just a cool way for the Chicago Blackhawks to kind of connect with CPD and CFD. So again, yeah. The uh, first responders hockey game will be at 1 o'clock on Sunday 
before the game. And again, if you have tickets against the Toronto Maple Leafs at the UC at 5 o'clock, you can go to both games. Uh, we've got Annie on the line, and I think Annie's got the answer correct. Annie, what happened the last time the Blackhawks were in Montreal? I think that Flurry got his 500th team win. Well, you thought correctly. Congratulations, Annie. You've won a brew pub, lots and lots of pizza coupon. Uh, how do you like your pizza, Annie? Uh, cheesy, just like La Tomata. <laughs> okay, great stuff. Annie, thanks so much for listening. Congratulations. All right, thank you. All right, congratulations to Annie. And that's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. The Hawks next game again tomorrow night in Montreal, taking on the Canadians, 5 o'clock, rather 5.30 pregame, a 6 o'clock puck drop. Big thanks to Jack Heinrich. Big thanks to Kevin Wells. Big thanks to Ben Pope for joining us here on Blackhawks Live.